we started testifying today, we probably wouldn't finish up. I, I just need somebody to help me right here. We probably wouldn't finish up until a month from now. Maybe even longer than that, because over that month, God will just keep on. His goodness just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. It's running after. The psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> hey, I sure am glad. Hey, there's times when I don't feel like being good, and I need somebody to help me. I'm thankful there's never a time where he doesn't feel like being good. God is good. It's one of his attributes. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. <laughs> Some of y'all don't understand that. Because we can't differentiate. Because we're not good. Come on, help me now. We're not good. We do good things. I'm not saying you're all bad. But we do good things. But we're not good. Right? There's this desire in us to not do good. Stop it. Stop it. Stop being all, quit being all sanctified on me and let's just be honest. There's, these, there's this flesh that we're wrapped in that desires not to do good. And the spirit warreth after the flesh. Or I got Bible for it. Some of you sitting there and you're like scared to death to say anything because you feel like if you say something, it's going to be con uh, con uh, contradictory to the Bible. The Bible says that the spirit warreth against the flesh. Why is the spirit warring against the flesh if the flesh is good? Hey, because it ain't good, right? But yet, when we talk about God, the Bible says that God is good. It's not something that he does. Goodness is something that we do. Goodness is who he is. Do you understand that? Uh, we do good things, <laughs> but God is good. But God is good, and he's good all the all the time. You're not good all the time. I'm not good all the time, but God is good all the time. Amen. And he follows after us with goodness and mercy. I need somebody to help me. I think about that goodness and mercy. Is everybody all right? Man, you give a youngin, you give a youngin, I'm talking about a lot of little two-year-old or three-year-old, give them a bag of, uh, of goldfish. Can I get a witness? Let's go even back a little bit farther than that. A year old to two year old and them little puffs. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Right? Man, my grandbabies, we had puffs. I mean, they were in our clothes, in our shoes, in the couch, in the floor. Is everybody all right? I mean, the truth is, is that you had to follow the youngin around with a, with a broom and a dustpan. And constantly cleaning up behind that little old thing running around. They'd reach into that thing and with that little old hand and get as many as they could pull out. They'd be falling out when they pulled them out. But you, I, I need somebody to help me right here. That's a grandbaby. You don't care if they drop every one of them. There's, no, there's more where that came from. We just go behind them and clean up. <laughs> God's goodness and mercy. I wonder if it ain't God just going... <laughs> Woo! There he goes again. Drop some over there. 
Drop some over there. It's all right. I'll take care of it. I'll clean it up. Hey, is everybody all right? Some of you need to some of you need to get unspiritual for a little bit. So you can get like you're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter number six. Mm. His goodness cleaning up, cleaning up behind me. His mercy. Not 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 whooping me for dropping it. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. I'm gonna preach for three hours because y'all are y'all are asleep. Y'all ready? Galatians chapter number six, verse number one. Let's get started, all right? I'm going to read 10 verses. I'll read the first 10 verses, and uh, I, I'll do some explaining, but we, I won't preach that long, I promise. I was just kidding, okay? The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, everybody say this word with me, restore. Are y'all there? Y'all with me? All right, let's start reading this thing in. Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore, restore. restore. The Bible says restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Mm. It's real easy to look at somebody that sins different than us and say, I'm glad, Mm. I'm not like them. Almost sounds pharisaical, doesn't it? Remember that guy that stood over there and beat on his chest? Said, I'm glad I'm not like him. That publican over there. See, that verse, go back to verse number one, if you will, Miss Tracy, real quickly. But that verse is, that verse is warning us. You better consider yourself, lest thou also be tempted. That verse has the meaning of being tempted by the same thing they were. Mm. There's a many a preacher that stood in a pulpit and said, bless God, don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery. Look down on everybody that committed adultery and then he ends up. We ain't recording this right now, I don't think, right? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and say something. I had a preacher come up to me at the conference that he had preached against all those things and come up to me and he admitted that he had a failure in his life. Amen. Is everybody with me? Considering thy... Oh, come on, y'all say help me now. Considering thy thyself. thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. Look at verse number two. The Bible says this. It says, bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now, the law of Christ is mentioned twice in the Bible. It's mentioned here and it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. But a true definition is not given to it, but we will here in a little bit. We'll do our best to give a definition of what I believe the law of Christ is. And I, I, I hope we can prove it uh, uh, through, the, through Scripture, but we're going to look at that here in a few moments. But the Bible, I want you, what, I want, what I really want you to see is this, that we're to bear one another's burdens. All right, verse number 3. The Bible says, for if a man think himself to be something, <laughs> hey, if a man think himself to be something, when he is, he deceiveth himself. Hey, there's an implication there that we are nothing. 
and that we all the time think that we are and so therefore we deceive ourselves I'm sorry I'm sorry but we're just reading Bible right now don't get mad at me verse number 4 but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another I'll explain this verse and what I believe this verse means here in just a few moments. Look at verse number five. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now, preacher, that sounds contradictory. Verse number two says that we're to bear one another's burdens. And now all of a sudden the Bible says that every one of us shall bear our own burden. Is the Bible contradicting itself, preacher? No, it's not. We'll explain that too. I like, how many of y'all like learning things in your Bible? Right? I think that's missed in a lot of churches today. We got, a, we got an outline and we got this, that, and the other, but, but are we really learning the Word? Verse number 6, let's look at it. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, I'm going to teach you what that means right here because I'm not preaching on it, all right? But what this means is, is that for those that teach the Word, those that are taught by those teachers are to share in blessings. This is talking about uh, uh, material things. In other words, if you are being taught in the Word, then you are not to muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn. Does everybody understand that? I, I know it's tough for a preacher to stand up and say this, but I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because we're learning the Word, and the fact of the matter is, is that you have a responsibility being taught, all right, to take care of the teacher. All right, and the church does that. So we, we got that figured out. We got it, all right? But I want you to know there's a lot of folks that think preachers ought to stand up there and preach for nothing and everything else. And hey, listen here, if a preacher won't stand up there and think or preach for nothing, he ain't worth his salt, all right? But the church still has a responsibility and the people still have a responsibility that are taught to take care of the one that teaches, right. all right? Now, now look at verse number seven because we all know verse number seven. Now it may have a better understanding for us, all right? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man, that shall he also all right? So in context, we're talking about taking care of teachers. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let's go to verse number eight. Verse number eight says this. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So not only are we talking about, not only are we talking about taking care of the teacher, but we're talking about what kind of things you allow in your life. If you sow to the flesh, which we've already discovered is not good. That's right. All right? Somebody help me. Then we reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, which we know worth against the flesh, if we sow to the Spirit... And the Bible says the Spirit reap life everlasting. Amen. Verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now look at verse number 10, and we're going to go back, and we're going to get back to the first couple of verses. But in verse number 10 it says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially under them who are of the household of faith. All right, now this ain't talking about a preacher. This ain't talking about a teacher. This ain't talking about a deacon of a church. 
This is talking about the body of the church. One another. Is everybody with me? Now, let's go back to verse number one. And let's look at verse number one and verse number two. And let's think about this in the terms of restore in 24. All right. I believe that one of the things that is missing in our church today is a love for one another. We live our lives that are so self-centered that we do not see that others are going through difficulties and we have a command that we are to help bear their burden. You and I are not, when we get so wrapped up in ourselves, it is the sin of pride. That's why the Bible tells us that we're to restore such a one in meekness, considering thyself, that's humbleness, that ye, lest thou also be tempted. When we look at this word restore, let me say this, everybody needs restoration. Everybody needs restoration. Now we're sitting in here and thinking of it in the context of a church and somebody that sins in the church. But the truth is, before you ever knew anything about church, you needed to be restored. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now it wasn't because of something you did, but the Bible tells us it was because of something Adam did. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so I came into this world, as David said, I was born in iniquity. In other words, what he's saying is, he said, in my mother's womb did I sin. In other words, what David is saying is I carry the marks of sin on my body from my birth because of Adam in the garden. Paul writes that out and says, wherefore, it's by one man, Adam. Sin entered into the world in the garden, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. So the assumption of restoration is that we all know that everybody needs it, right? You needed restoration. And so Jesus Christ came born of a virgin. Boy, we preached that over the last week or over the last month as we led up to Christmas. I talked over and over again about that virgin birth, but so many people missed. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If Jesus would have been born as Joseph, then he would have had the same sin as you and I. But the Bible says he was born of a virgin. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and she conceived. And when she conceived, a child was born unto her, the Son of God. Therefore, the blood that ran through his veins was not corrupted by Adam that came all the way from the garden. I need somebody to help me. And so his blood was pure. His blood was divine. He had God's blood in his veins, which made him a not only a willing sacrifice, but a sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God. Does everybody understand that? The virgin birth ain't just something that we tell our kids and it's a cool story. The truth is, is there's a major doctrine in there. Because if you understand it, then you understand that his blood was different than our blood. And that's why his blood was able to save. That's why his blood is able to cleanse from all sin. Because his blood was not corrupt. His blood had no problems, no defects. 
defects in it. There was no death in his blood. He had to give his life. It could not be taken from him. He had to willingly gave the ghost, the Bible says. Why? Because he had no sin in his life. He was not sin. And so because of that, he could not die. Because the wages of sin is so when Jesus hung on that cross, say, how in the world could a man go through everything that he went through? It's because of blood that was running through his veins. He could not die until he chose to give up the ghost. I'm having fun, whether you are or not. Jesus came without any sin, lived a perfect sinless life as Adam was intended to do all the way back in the garden. Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He fulfilled the law. He went to the cross and he died for you and I. He hung on that cross so that your sins could be paid for and you receive, if you're saved, you received restoration. You are now back in fellowship with God. The Bible says it like this. We have been reconciled. To God. And God has given us some ministry of reconciliation. That means you and I, through Christ, are to bring others back into fellowship with God. Restore them. I'm having fun. See, the assumption of restoration is that we all know that we received it. Help me, y'all. We all have the understanding that we received it. You received restoration. You needed to be restored. There was something messed up about you, and yet God came and died on the cross so that you could be restored to fellowship. Bought with a price, redeemed. Right? That's the assumption of it. Now we get to looking at the act of restoration. I want you to look at the act of restoration. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Did y'all notice anything about that? See, here's the thing. Those that were overtaken with a fault, they weren't outside the body of Christ. They were still a part of the body of Christ. And the act of restoration was to take place by those that had been restored. Brethren. Everybody looks at that and thinks, man, that's the men. No, that's the body of Christ. That's the church. You know what the church's responsibility is in all of this? We are to restore others the Bible says if a man be overtaken in a fault this doesn't mean that he's blatantly and unrepentantly going into sin it means that they have fallen into something and they are trapped in a place that they never thought they would be they never thought they would be have you ever been there come on now I need somebody to help me that ain't all holier than thou have you ever been in a place where you thought you'd never be have you ever said I'll never do that only to find yourself doing that and you said I messed up I messed up I tripped up I slipped I fell I didn't mean to be into this place in my life but yet here I am and how does the church treat us come on now I need somebody to help me for most people the church will pull out the gun and shoot the wounded I need somebody. Badness are the worst. <laughs> hey, I remember singing that song. I'm in the Lord's army. Amen. All right. I got one person that remembers the song. All right. I'm in the Lord. Right. And man, we sang that song as young as praise God. We're in the army. Now that I have a better understanding, I don't want to be in the army. Because I know when I get wounded, <laughs> hey, somebody going to shoot me and kill me. Because the church does not do what they're supposed to do. In other words, when somebody's overtaken in a fault, we spend more time gossiping about the fault that they've been overtaken in. We spend more time looking down on them and thanking God that we ain't like them. 
We look at them and we outcast them. We put them out of the church. They messed up. They can't be, mm, you can't be in the church if you messed up. Listen to me. If you ain't messed up, you don't need to be here. All right, now if you messed up, you need to be here just like I do because I'm going to tell you something over and over again. I find myself in a fault that I never thought I would be. Now, before you get all spiritual on me, I want you to know this. Your hero of the faith, Paul, he said the same thing. He said those things that I would do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I didn't want to do, I find myself... Is everybody all right? Over and over, he said, I'm worn with the flesh. I'm fighting it every single day. There's going to be times in your life where you are going to stumble. There's going to be times in your life when you are going to fall. And when you do, a burden comes upon you. Right? Because this word has a meaning of being trapped in a place that you never thought you would be and carrying a load that's too heavy to carry. And so the Bible tells us that the church... And more specifically, those who are spiritual. That means the ones that ain't gossiping. That means the one that ain't casting. That means the ones that ain't talking about how bad you messed up. They're to come along aside and help bear the burden. Help bear the burden. That's the act of restoration. The problem is, is that too many of us We're so focused on us that we don't realize our brother is under the burden. Amen. Mm. We don't realize that they're carrying a burden. We go to church with blinders on. We're thinking, oh, come on, help me now. We're thinking about what we got to do tomorrow. We're thinking about what we got to do this afternoon. Some of you come to the morning service so you can get out and do whatever you want to. Amen. <laughs> Stay with me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'm trying not to be ugly, but let, let me say this. If, if that's the only reason you come to the early service and you're missing out on the chance to worship God. Right. Ain't nothing wrong with coming to the early service. I like to get up early too. If y'all want to, we'll go to an 8 o'clock service. I'm fine with that. No, no, no. <laughs> But if if all we're meeting for early is so that we can get out and have the rest of the day, then are we really getting what we need from the Lord? And when we come to the church with that kind of attitude, we miss out on everything that's going on around us. We miss out on people that are carrying burdens. Maybe a burden of sickness. Maybe a burden of, of hurt. Maybe a burden of suffering. They're dealing with something. And you just come in with your little blinders on. You sit down in your chair with your little blinders on. You look up at the, pra- at the platform with your little blinders on. And when service is over, you leave with your little blinders on. But when you end up in problems, then that one with the blinders on is always talking about, well, where's everybody at? Nobody come to me. Nobody called me. Nobody did that. Is everybody all right? The Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens. And we're to bear one another's burdens. We are to come alongside and to help them carry the load. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what's the law of Christ? I ain't going to go back to the verses. I'm not going to go, but it's in Mark chapter number 12 and verse 28 through 31. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter number 12, they asked Jesus, they said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? 
And Jesus said, you're to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy, uh, soul, with all thy might, with all thy uh, uh, mind. Or uh, You get what I'm saying. And then he said, and the second is likened unto the first. That's right. Come on. That you love thy neighbor as thyself. We're to love our neighbor like you love yourself. Let's, let's just let that, let's let that cook for a minute. Let that pot simmer for a minute. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. I want you to think about all the things you do for yourself. When you go shopping for yourself, how do you approach it? Say that again. Get what you want. I need somebody to help me. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Now, some of y'all are going to be like, oh, you got to save money and everything else because you, you go and buy great value. But bless God, if I get in there, I'm buying the sure enough Nabisco wafer. Is everybody all right? We ain't getting no. Don't give me that junk. No great value. I don't want no great value peanut butter. I don't want no day old bread. <laughs> don't roll up in there. I need, come on, help me now. Don't roll up in there and come back to the house with great value cornflakes. Bless God, that box better be blue and there better be a big tiger on that thing you bring it into my house. Amen. 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 Say, I'm going to save money. You can save money elsewhere. You can save money. <laughs> you, you can find somewhere else to save money, but don't you come in there with no junk into my house. Preacher, you're high maintenance. You are too. You're just not willing to admit it. Hey, some things you ain't going to compromise when it comes to taking care of yourself. Oh, I need some ladies to help me right here because there's some makeup you ain't going to put up with. You're going to need that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some lotion that's up there in Walmart, but that ain't good enough for my wife. Is everybody all right? I have to buy it from the Dead Sea over in Israel, all right? Amen. <laughs> I'll never forget that lady walked up to me and said, your wife has picked out a package. And I'm like, that's wonderful. And she says, I'm going to give you a deal. And I said, thank you, God. I said, how much is it going to be? She said, you're getting half off. I said, hallelujah. She said, I'll be $500. <laughs> is everybody all right five what you know how many tony the tigers i could buy with 500 bucks <laughs> i need somebody to help me but this is the only place that you can get it baby Mm, we will take care of ourselves. And by the way, my wife has that junk. 
She went into my stash to get it. Mm. We take care of ourselves. The Bible says that we're to bear one another's burdens and we're to love our neighbor as thyself. Jesus said in John chapter number 13, a new commandment I give unto thee, that ye love one another. The attitude of restoration. The attitude of restoration. We're to do it in meekness. Go back to the first verse for me, if you will. Getting some feedback right down here, brother. The attitude. The Bible says we're to do it in a spirit of meekness. That word meekness there means in kindness. It means that you and I are to, to be good, this meekness. It, it, it means that you have the power to do it. You have the power to walk away, but you stay. We're to restore such a one in meekness, considering thyself humbleness, lest thou also be tempted. The attitude. We're not to come up and say, Frank, you messed up again. I'm going to help you. <laughs> Preacher, they messed up again. What are we going to do for them? We're going to do what the church is supposed to do. Bear one another's burdens. Fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? That we love one another. Law of Christ. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Law of Christ. We love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our soul. We're to love God, but we're also to love each other. Amen. Same just a place we meet together. This is a place where you and I love one another. We see, I'm moving quickly because we're done. We got, we're going to run out of time. The assumption of restoration, the act of restoration, the attitude of restoration, lastly, the award of restoration, the award. All right? Go to verse number five. It says this, For every man shall bear his own burden. As we read down in verse number seven, it says, For uh, uh, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, right? As we go on down further in verse number eight, it says that if we, uh, uh, for if he soweth to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Go to the next verse, and let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. When I come along, Chris, stand up and help me. Chris is under a burden. Get under a burden. Chris is, Chris is under a burden. That first word burden, that first burden is something that is heavy, too heavy for him to carry alone, right? So the Bible says that the brethren, the church, go help him. Go help him, brother. The church is to come along and help bear that burden. He still has that burden, but, but these two are helping carry the load. If you will, they're distributing the load, right? I, I, I mean, if you do it right, come on, help me now. If you do it right, he ain't having to carry something that's impossible for him to carry now because two brethren that are spiritual are now helping him. This is what it means, all right? It means that we're helping him along with his burden. Now, what's the award of that? Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man 
soweth, that shall he also reap. Everybody listen to me now. Right here, right here. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in helping him, I'm sowing into somebody else. Then when my burden comes, mm, y'all switch places. Now when my burden comes, somebody's there to help me carry the load. All right? And the Bible says in verse number five, go back to verse number five. The Bible says that everyone is going to have to bear his own burden. In other words, there's going to come a time where you're going to be under a burden also. There's going to come a time when you're going to be in a place where you can't go. And the reward of you helping another carry their burden is that they'll come alongside you and now help you carry yours. Y'all can go sit down. Thank you so much. This last burden right here in verse number five also has this meaning too. There's going to be some things that you're going to carry that you're going to have to carry alone. See, the first one is something that can be shared, but we get to this one. You can, you can go ahead, brother. We get to this one. And some burdens we have to carry ourselves. Now, let me encourage you right here because that first burden is something you can't. But this particular burden is something that's like a backpack. You, you can't. And there's burdens that you and I carry that are meant for us to carry. And they're meant for us to carry alone. But then there's burdens that you and I can't carry. The Bible says the church is supposed to come along beside. The people of the church are to come alongside and to help bear the burden. Church has failed. Come on, don't raise your hand, but let me ask you a question. How many people did you help carry a load last year? Don't answer it. Don't shake your head. Don't look down at the floor. How many people did you see under a burden last year? You come alongside and helped them. How many people? Miss Joanne, come here right here. Hurricane came through. People in the church, houses damaged. People in the church, yards damaged. People in the church, lives changed. Storm just didn't put a hole in her roof. Took her soulmate. Under a burden. Too hard to carry. Burden. I think our job. I think our church did good. Oh yeah. Oh they yeah. Did awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> but did you notice? But you had blinders on. Did you assume somebody else would do it? With an attitude of meekness, it could have been me. Could have been my family. I could have been standing next to a graveside of my wife. You could have been standing next to a graveside of your husband. what it means by to bear each other's burdens place you never thought she'd be overtaken with grief overtaken with suffering 
Who'll come help her now? Oh, I'm asking, who's going to come help her now? Say, you think the burden's gone now? Where's some ladies that'll come bear the burden with her on the altar? Miss Lucy, you got some burdens to carry too. Who's going to bear the burden? Who's going to do that? Who is going to help us get through? She, take the blinders off. Sheldon, grab that boy right there. Dylan, go to Brother Sheldon. Come on right here and go through there. She lost her husband. He lost his daddy. Get the blinders off. Get the blinders off. It's time for the church to start acting like the church. It's time for us to start doing the ministry that God has given to us and that is to restore one another. What did you do last year? Who'd you come along beside? Who'd you help up? Who'd you help carry a load? Now before you answer that, I want to think this year when it comes on you, are you going to reap what you sow? Heads bowed with me all around the building. I want you to find a place around the altar. I want you to ask God to give you eyes to see. I want you to ask God to get the blinders off. I want you to ask God to give you opportunity. Go to verse number 10, if you will, Miss Tracy. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Find your place. Find you a place. Even if it's at your chair, turn around and make your chair an altar. Find a place. Because next year, this year, it could be you. We're to bear one another's burdens. Take the blinders off. Let's be the church. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, for a church that does practice Lord, does our best, tries to be what we're supposed to be, Lord, for you. Loving others, helping others. But God, I pray that we all, Lord, get a reality check. We're to consider ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Lord, I know in this in, in, in this context, we're talking about sin, but it's not just sin that a man's overtaken in. Lord, there's suffering, there's grief, there's things that we go through, burdens that are too heavy to carry. God, help us to realize, Lord, we have opportunities. But if we're too focused on ourselves, we'll miss them. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see opportunities to help others. If you're in this building this morning, you need restoration. You may be saved and need restoration. 
let me encourage you to seek it. You may be in this building and you're lost. Say, preacher, there's never been a time that I was saved. I want you to know something. The Bible, according to the Bible, you are carrying a load. A load of sin, not because of you, but because of Adam. A load that you can't carry by yourself. And so God sent His Son, born of a virgin, to live a perfect, sinless life and to die on a cross to carry your sin. He bore your burden, died on a cross so that you could have eternal life. A precedent set on the cross of how restoration is to look. If you're in this building this morning, you say, Preacher, I don't know. I ain't never been a time where I've been saved. Preacher, I don't know if I died right now, if I'd go to heaven. I want you to just lift your hand up where I can see it. Nobody's looking around. It's just me. Is there anybody? Be honest in this building. Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I 